0: The scripture reading this morning is from First Timothy. First Timothy chapter six. I'll have to turn to it. Verses ten to sixteen. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and "...pierce themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, righteousness and godliness, faith and love, perseverance and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses." I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep the commandment without strain or reproach, without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and the only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in, inapproachable, in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. The name of Jesus that we're looking at today is King of Kings. And... A leader is someone who inspires, a good leader is someone, and sometimes even a not so good leader, but someone who represents what our hearts and our passions are all about. We, uh, we, we empathize with that leader and we, we are proud to put that leader forward and to pattern our life according to the ideals that that leader sets. And in Jesus Christ, we will finally have the, the, the leader and the king that we have all been craving for our whole lives and of whole of human history. We heard about the Jews and how they craved for a leader, and they set up a leader from amongst their own people. And it went badly, as always it does, because human leaders are as broken as we are. and And... And in building them up on pedestals, we make it even worse. So when the fall comes, it's ruin for all of us. But we are called to pursue characteristics of our coming King that will make for life. Not uh, Paul urges all of us in this letter to Timothy not to pursue the material wealth and power that this world's money can buy. But instead, to pursue the eternal wealth of a mature spirit. Paul names three pairs of virtues that work in tandem to round out the soul. Righteousness paired with godliness. Faith paired with love. And perseverance paired with gentleness. The first pair, righteousness and godliness. First, righteousness is to do what is right and good. The Christian measure of true righteousness is not written in a code, but it is the person of God, specifically Jesus Christ. Furthermore, the wisdom to know what is good and the power to do what is good once we know it all comes from God. Jesus said we must abide in him. If we wanted to grow in righteousness or any other spiritual attribute as far as that goes, godliness, which pairs with righteousness, godliness is the understanding that God himself is both the definition of righteousness and the end result of righteousness. A child wants to be like his or her parent because they admire them. And they see in their parents the pattern on which to build their lives. They are childlike. And if we are childlike in our attitude, this is our desire towards Christ as well. The second pairing is faith and love. Faith in the power of God's salvation will necessarily express itself In love or failing that in the desire to become loving I can't always bring myself to love but on reflection I always desire to learn how to be or if it's beyond learning to be changed so that I might love especially depending on who it is I am having to love I know all of you don't have any problem with that but I struggle still so If faith doesn't express itself in either love or the desire to love, then we have reason to believe that our faith exists in name only and not in truth. Loving does not come naturally to us, especially if the person we must love does not love us in return. This means that if we would love, we must return to the power of God's spirit, and we access that spirit by faith. So again, faith and love are a cycle. Faith to seek his promised power, and faith to trust that he will do the impossible, to change the hardened hearts of both the lover and the loved. The last pairing is perseverance and gentleness. A person of faith and love, righteousness and godliness will need to be very intentional and determined or the prevailing selfishness and spiritual chaos of this world will defeat them. Perseverance is a necessity for the spiritual survival and growth of the Christian heart. However, perseverance by itself can make a person calloused, and focused, a little so focused that they are unaware of anything or anyone around them. The Christian is to persevere relentlessly, but to also cultivate gentleness. Gentleness and a soft heart so that we do not become cold or indifferent. Jesus had to persevere more than any of us. And he prayed that the Father would forgive his executioners as they were driving the nails into his hands. He also, in the midst of his suffering, tenderly sought to make provision for his mother Mary. Again, the wisdom to know this and the power to achieve it rests in our abiding relationship in Jesus Christ and our reliance on his Holy Spirit we can't possibly do this on our own. We need the intervention of our king. Paul's motivating vision for all of this instruction is found in verses 15 to 16. Paul reminds us that Jesus is coming again, a second advent that is just as important as the first one. However, this time it will not be a secret known only to a handful of shepherds and a few Persian stargazers. This time it will be in splendor and in conquest. He will not be a helpless baby, but as the king of kings, dressed in white, on a white charger. This time he will enter Jerusalem as a conquering king, which is today's name of Jesus. Paul says he... Jesus, who is the blessed and the only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. I love this phrase, unapproachable light. When Jesus returns and that great light blazes out god's work in us will be revealed so much of today's confusion in our society and our culture comes stems from a mistaken belief that if we are to find out who we are we must look deep within ourselves if you look deep within in yourself all you will find is potentials and raw materials And you may be misled by them. If you want to know who you are, first of all, let me tell you, you aren't who you are yet. You are being made into who you will become. This is like a second gestation period for us. God is the one who is making us into who we will be. If you want to know who you are, then you look to your creator. Look to your creator outside of yourself to know something powerful about who you are. In the revealed truth of that great moment, of that light that will be shed on us, every decision that we have ever made in this life to yield ourself to Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit will reveal a lovely and powerful facet of God's work in us. We will see what God has been doing in us and it will make not only sense, but it will make for joy. When Jesus returns as king of kings, God's work in us will be completed and we will see for the first time who we really are, the person that God has had in his mind all along. When Jesus returns as high king of heaven and earth, we will see for the first time what a real king is like, a king worth dying for, a king worth living for. We will also see creation as God means it to be. War will cease, not because Jesus will be the perfect tyrant, but because we will become governable. We will finally be freed from the handicap and the chaos and the ravenous selfishness of our sin to understand who we are and how we fit into creation, and what joy that is. We will no longer fight being ruled. It will be a joy. Jesus' leadership will be a relief and a great joy because now we know how the apple that Eve ate, that forbidden fruit, we know how that apple tastes. It's sweet to the tongue and the bitterest poison to the heart and to the soul and to all of human community and creation. We now know where sin and selfishness leads and when Jesus returns, we will be given the wisdom and the power to resist the temptation of idolatry and godlessness. And he will be the leader that we have always wanted and needed. Hail the heavenly Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that men no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks that you are returning and we look forward to it. We know that it is soon in your eyes, Lord God. Soon as it could be many generations, many lifetimes, and we wait and we long. And on one hand, we love this life, particularly for us here today. We have good food to eat. We're all most of us here. I think all of us looking forward to going home and enjoying a warm, safe place with a, a, a good lunch and, and, and friendships that we can rejoice in. And we just give you thanks. We love this life, but we know that even in the midst of this, there is always the threat of death. And death will come for all of us, and it will stop every good thing. And in this life, every good thing will, will last, won't will last as long as we hoped. It won't go as deep as we wanted. We look forward to that time, Lord God, when death will be put to death, when you will return and be our king. And we would be faithful to you and ask that you would give us both the wisdom and the strength to be faithful for that day. For we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.